Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Galit Speaks podcast. I'm here with another guest this week, Vanessa Louise. Uh, Vanessa, I'm so excited for her. She is an emotional health specialist, or the naked coach. And her naked philosophy is all about helping people heal the hurt within in order to live a happier, more fulfilled more fulfilled loving lives because she believes that feeling is the secret to healing thank you so much for coming on vanessa oh thank you gilly it's an absolute pleasure and uh, i'm really looking forward to our conversation uh, me too so i want to i want to hear a little bit about more a little bit more about what you do why do you call yourself the naked coach Ah, see, that's that's interesting. It's not what I intended for myself. Ever since I was a little girl, I only ever wanted to help people feel better about themselves, um, mainly because I didn't like myself growing up. And I think like most little girls, didn't really feel like I fitted in anywhere, particularly at school, um, education, um, mainstream education. It just wasn't my thing. And so I naturally went into the cosmetic industry and I trained how to help women particularly look and feel fabulous on the outside, knowing that that would help them feel better about themselves. My life, though, decided to take me on a very different path. And uh, I had the, what I call the naked dream for as long as I can remember, decades, four decades or so, where I would get caught in my local high street. And it had to be local because everybody I knew was there. And in my dream, I would be wearing nothing. I would be naked. I would be feeling embarrassed, ashamed, humiliated. Uh, trying to cover myself up. And I thought it was because I had body confidence issues as a kid um, and as a young woman. And then after I turned my life around and I lost six stone in weight in the UK, that's um, six times six to 14 pounds, which is a lot of weight. I still kept having the dream. And I thought to myself, okay, why am I still having the dream when I feel confident and I've lost this weight and I feel better about my body? And meditating on it, I realized it was actually the fear of showing up as my true self. So then beg the question, actually, who is my true self anyway? Um, and that was back in 2014, 2015. So as a result of my life falling apart a year, uh, eight years or so before that, um, having turned my life around, I then was asked the question by many people, how did you do it? Um, and I just kept saying it was a different choice. I just made a different choice. Um, and they said, but what choices did you make? And I was like, why do you want to know? And they said, it's because we want to help. We want you to help us do the same. So therefore, I got dubbed the naked coach as I was helping people become naked. And I switched professions from helping people feel fabulous on the outside to feeling fabulous on the inside, because we all know, really, this game is about an inside out game when we feel fabulous on the inside and we know the true beauty of our own hearts and we feel beautifully naked then that's when um emotionally naked when we'd be able to show up in our lives with confidence purpose and joy yeah that seems like such a different approach because especially coming from making people feel beautiful on the outside um yes. it seems to me almost more fulfilling to make people feel beautiful on the inside do you think that that first, um, you know, that first attempt to make people feel beautiful on the outside, was that um, what led you to this other piece? Were you, you know, struggling to find this other piece first? And yeah. Yeah, it's a really good question, actually, because as a kid, I was really shy and retiring. I didn't have very many friends. I mean, I was a, I was a good kid, a nice kid, and you know, I was friendly, et cetera, et cetera. But for some reason, I found myself on my own such a lot. So um, to, to be a speaker for a living and coach was just no way as part of the agenda. But 
to naturally follow where my talents were as, as a youngster. Uh, I danced since I was six years old. So we used to make up ourselves as, as youngsters right up until I was 18. And I used to make up my friends. I had a natural talent for the outside of the women. And my mum is beautifully gracious and um, very, yeah, she's very disciplined in looking after her appearance. So I naturally took after her, like use nice products. And, and she helped me to, to look after my appearances, particularly as I felt my story is I am ugly. I, as a kid, I really struggled with the way I looked. Um, so she helped me feel better about the way I looked. So I, I kind of naturally went into helping people feel better because the outside seemed to be most fitting to where my talents lay. It wasn't until my life fell apart in 2008. Um, and as a result of um, working in a business where I was helping people, women feel confident by looking after their own skin and applying makeup. And I was working with a lady in 2010 and she was really struggling with herself in her life. She had uh, three small children uh, under the age of two I think she she had some you know she had a real challenge and her husband wasn't the most helpful of people so I went round to go and help her feel good um uh, and feel refreshed on the outside and she struggled to look at herself in the mirror to begin with and it wasn't until the end of our session that I was asking her how she felt and, and she couldn't take her eyes off herself uh, so she was very happy with what she'd created and part of my service was to follow up the next morning and ask them how they got on with using the products and have they managed to apply their makeup the same the next morning. And um, I said, how are you feeling? She said, yeah, okay. And I said, oh gosh, very different to yesterday. Why is that? And she said, I washed it off. And in that moment, I recognized that it doesn't matter how fabulous you feel on the outside. If you don't fully, truly appreciate the beauty of your own heart, it really isn't gonna make a difference. So that was around the time that I was beginning to rebuild my life. And I started to appreciate that actually maybe there was more to me in sharing how I'd learned the techniques I'd learned to help rescue myself, look after myself from the inside. And as I started to share that, I just then became the naked coach that people were asking me to show them how to do it. So that's that's kind of how the natural transition started. That's amazing. And I can definitely uh, identify with that woman of like, yeah, I washed it off and I don't feel the same. And having that emotional struggle and, and yeah. really want to love yourself on the inside. Yeah. I think it's where your confidence comes from the outside. When the outside isn't there, we all know our looks or our outside appearance is constantly changing. And you know, I, I think it's only when you've truly, really struggled with your outside appearance and you've overcome that, do you then truly appreciate that it doesn't matter? It helps, don't get me wrong, right? Us girls, we love a we love a good hair wash and a good hairstyle and a nice bit of makeup and, you know, some clothes that might help us feel feminine and, you know, comfortable in our body. Absolutely. But for me, my mission has always been if I can feel fabulous, not just physically naked, but emotionally naked and really tap into the beauty of my heart, then it doesn't matter. Then I feel my inner confidence, my inner strength. I feel naturally empowered because it's coming from a place within me that's sustainable. The outside is not sustainable. That's a little bit more like hard work, isn't it? Yeah. So um, something that you said uh, and that you mentioned struck me. You said that your life fell apart. Can you talk yeah. a little bit more about that and what happened and, and yeah. how you did that? Um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a big turning point. So in 2008, I was lying in bed at three o'clock in the morning, crying myself to sleep for I don't know how long, uh, years and years. I had two small children and... Um, the, the man I was married to, the kid's dad at the time, was addicted to drugs and alcohol and had been for a few years. So it had become very messy. Our lives had become messy. And watching the man that you love fall apart and destroy and literally keep pressing self-destruct is just horrific. Big, strong man um, becoming, you know, the complete opposite. 
was soul destroying, but it really tested our relationship. And this particular night, I remember screaming at him because I'd done everything I possibly could to help. And if anybody knows anything about addiction, you can't do anything for an addict until they decide to do it for themselves. And this particular night, I had contemplated taking my own life because it had just got so bad. You know, that place where you just go in that deep, dark place and the only way out is to just end it. And I just didn't have the courage. I contemplated all different ways. Two small children just always kept me from doing that to myself. But this one night, I contemplated doing the unforgivable and actually taking his life. And I was lying there. Shall I stab him? Shall I suffocate him just to end his pain and mine? And I was awake, but I woke up to myself and realized, Vanessa, you can't do that. There's, I mean, that's not who I am anyway. I'm a fun-loving kind of person, which is the main reason I kind of really struggled with what was happening in my life. But I'd, I'd become numb. I'd tried absolutely everything. I just, exas- I just felt was exacerbated. And, and when you feel completely hopeless and you're in that deepest, darkest corner of your life, then, then some things just seem okay. Uh, and contemplating that, I realized that there is no way I could do that. So I prayed for a miracle. And that miracle came in the form of three words. And I remember looking up at the ceiling thinking, you have got to be kidding me. There is no way on earth that that is going to help heal me and this situation. And I kept hearing these three words and I was like, there's no way. It, this is too big for that. That's too simple. That's too fluffy. That's too woo-woo. And these three words came so loud three times in succession. And those three words were love and gratitude. And when I prayed for a miracle in my deepest, darkest corner, those three words came through. I very grumpily and reluctantly got out of bed, stomped across the landing and stood over the beds of both my children. They were seven and five at the time. And I just literally was like, "Okay, okay," because it was so loud in my head. Thank you for you. Thank you for my cuddle today. Thank you for the picture you drew me at school. Thank you for just being so beautiful and kind and funny, etc. And then I walked across to the landing to my sons. I mean, thank you for helping me stir, stir dinner tonight. Thank you for my cuddle. Thank you for making me laugh. Thank you for drawing me. And, and I just felt this weight lift off my shoulder. Like I'd been carrying the weight of the world for as long as I could remember. And I was just done. And I felt this weight lift that I walked back across the landing went to sleep. And I think I slept as soundly as I could remember uh, in in a very long time. I got up the next morning, got the kids to school. And I just remember noticing the tops of the trees. And I thought to myself, wow, I can't remember the last time I noticed that tree shape looking like that, which made me realize I must have just been so closed off to the world. Not many people would have known what was going on for us. We did a good job of hiding it. But then, you know, it kind of leaks out, doesn't it? Um, To this day, I'm so glad I didn't obviously follow through with um, what I was contemplating. Um, And just for the record, he is well now. We're not together. We did separate uh, about eight years after that. Um, He's been through his own struggles and he's come out the other side and he is well and clean and has been for a few years and is now happily married to the love of his life. And they are both very good friends of mine. So I just must add that. Um, to this story but we both speak about how grateful we are for the experience that did happen because it took us both individually to our deepest darkest places Um, and that's how my life fell apart in 2008 and then from that moment I promised myself I would apply those three words into my life as, as best I could and it's just helped me grow and evolve into the person I am today and now I just like to share that message with as many people as I can, because I think we underestimate how simple it actually can be. I think it's become so complicated unnecessarily so. And if I can be the living example of overcoming wanting to take another person's life and actually make something of my life, as has he, then isn't that worth sharing? Yeah, and I and I love uh, this idea that, first of all, everyone deserves uh, another chance because it seems like that's what you gave him. You gave both him and yourself another chance, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you, what you were contempla- contemplating, you know, your life would have ended as well in a different way. Absolutely. Um, it would have yeah. completely changed your family and your kids and the, 
the upbringing that they would have had as well. Yeah. So it it's really beautiful that you took a moment and and I also think that gratitude, like you said, love and gratitude, but gratitude especially is something that's so powerful that people kind of really overlook. It definitely changes the message. It changes the way that you think. It changes your perspective. Mm. Um, and it just reminds you, when, when you started, I had, um, I had a gratitude practice for, for a while. Um, I don't do it online anymore, but I, I used to go into my Instagram stories every single night and say three things that I was grateful for. That. Wow. And it, and it really took me in, in a place that it was very, I won't say it was very dark, but it was kind of a very lonely time. I had just, uh, I had just left my fiance at the time and was alone for the first time in seven years wow. and trying find myself in in you know the world of online dating and just like just uh being who I was without that person yeah. and that person was also um he was an alcoholic and so it was just a very kind of rough time and he was going through it and I was trying to be there for him while also you know maintaining some semblance of, of myself in that yeah. moment and having those having that time every single night just to talk about what was going right in my life yeah and what I'm grateful for even if it was just that I had a good meal that day yeah that was you know delicious or or whatever it was or you know that I had spoken with a friend that I hadn't spoken to in a while it completely changed my perspective instead of you know thinking oh woe is me all of a sudden yeah. I realized just how abundant my mm. life was, even mm. though things weren't perfect. Absolutely. And I, that is so powerful. And, and thank you for sharing that, because I think, again, we speak about the simplicity of all of this. But the point being is that if we can truly focus on what is working in our lives, what we do have in our lives, um, for me, the practice of gratitude allows me then to align myself with what I call the power of love, the power of love. Some people call it God, universe, source. Um, you could call it Fred. It doesn't really matter to me. But, it, you know, as human beings, we need to label it something. But what is that something that's turning the world, growing our grass and beating our hearts? What is that thing? And if we can feel grateful, truly grateful and feel that appreciation then I believe we align ourselves with that power. And if we align ourselves with that power, that power will give us more of what it is we are grateful for. So even if you are in a lonely place, even if you are on the streets, even if you are feeling heartbroken, even if you really think that and feel that your life is just falling apart, your heart is still beating. That is something to be grateful for. You know, the, the fact that you that you've got a thinking mind, the fact the fact that you have eyes, maybe you have eyes to see taste buds to taste that meal. Again, we overlook the really sim, sim, simplicity and the beauty of all of these things. But how can we ask and how can we expect to have anything change in our lives if we're not going to feel truly appreciative for what it is that we do have? Because we don't get from the universe. We don't receive from the universe what we want. We receive what we are, but when we, you know, and if we can really feel and as energetic beings, if we can truly feel grateful and concentrate on what is working, then we are likely to get more of the same, very likely to get more of the same. But the, the hard thing is feeling grateful when it doesn't feel very lovely on the outside. That's the yeah. practice. That's the practice. And I think it's only when we find ourselves in those lonely places, and I call it lovely or unlovely, just to keep it simple. Um, but if we're feeling unlovely and life is unlovely, then the challenge is to, to think, feel, concentrate on what is lovely in your life. That's the challenge. But we know that it works. So that's why we do have to keep going. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it it seems like you said almost too simplistic, but it really is just about changing your perspective and and making sure that you appreciate even the little things that are happening every single day because it will really change your relationships. It just yeah. Yeah, it, it, so even if it is the bird singing or the fact that the sun came up, the fact that you have a bed to lie in, the fact that you do have someone or something that is that you know is it is, is messaging you, is looking out for you. Yeah. Mm. So with that one of the topics that we wanted to talk about today was breakdown of relationships. So okay. um what are what are other relationship breakdowns and and how can you solve them and is that something you work on with people very much so because if we people think they're coming to me for many different things um but breakdown of a relationship is probably one of the most popular the the, the most the first and foremost relationship that there is a breakdown for that people don't realize that they're coming to me for is first of all the relationship with themselves mm. they think they're coming because they've you know left a partner maybe um uh, maybe they've fallen out with parents or children or or, or 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 colleagues or whatever but first and foremost is that relationship with self the most common one is obviously the breakdown of a romantic relationship but i think some of the most heartbreaking breakdown of relationships are those with our children or our parents, because those are the two relationships that really we don't choose. It's chosen for us effectively. You know, whereas you can, you choose to be with someone romantically, you'll choose to work with a colleague or a, a business partner, you'll choose your friends. But when those relationships that you don't necessarily choose and you're born from or, or to, then yeah, I, I think they can often be it's almost, we're almost a little bit too close to to see how and the the problem is i think as well is that if we don't fully understand the other person that we are in that relationship with then how on earth are we ever going to know how to heal um but the same is said for that relationship we have with ourselves if we don't know who we truly are how do we know how we're showing up in that particular relationship yeah, so I have a question for you, um, and you might have a totally different answer um, than than what I'm thinking. But so there are relationships in my life that I have allowed to break down and caused the breakdown of them with with familial, you know, me with family members because it was too toxic. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? And do you consider those, you know, things that you should be trying to resolve? That's a really good question, and and should resolve. Um, that that that's the language of really what we, we believe the outside world is expecting of us. I think if any relationship in your life is toxic, you have whether you've chosen it or whether you've been born to it, you have every right to protect yourself from any relationship at any time that is not serving you, especially if you are consciously choosing to evolve your own self as you navigate as best you can through your life. Again, coming back to who you truly are so that you understand your own wants and needs in life is key because if you don't have that understanding of what it is that turns your world, what it is you want to experience, then and the boundaries and the values that you have for life, then it's going to make it very difficult to understand, well, how when I spend time with this person, do I am I always just left feeling completely drained or, you know, at loggerheads with them or I can't, I, there just doesn't seem to be any harmony within this relationship. So absolutely, if a relationship is not serving you, then you... The tricky thing is, is if you're living with them, how do you protect yourself with somebody that you are living with energetically? That's a big thing I work with on with people, work on with people. If it's a friend or a colleague or some, somebody that you're not living with and you can actually understandably and um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Gently pull yourself away and it's not going to cause too much distraction. That's a lot easier. For me, one of the best ways to dissolve any kind of relationship that's not serving you is to concentrate on your own relationship with your own self, what I call come home. When you bring your energy back in on yourself and as a return to love, as I call it, as you come home to who you truly are, what's for you will vibrate towards you. You will attract towards you. What's not for you anymore will naturally vibrate away from you or fall away from you. So we don't really need to manage the situation or the relationship per se in the physical. We can do it on an energetic level. And as long as we are looking out for ourselves first, which could be perceived as selfish, but if we don't concentrate on ourselves first, our own needs, our own understanding, our own wisdom, and look after our our own self and our own relationship first, then how are we able then to do the same for others? But I, in all my experience, if I've ever wanted to navigate myself or pull myself away from, I've had a couple of toxic relationships where one particularly got dangerous, really dangerous. I actually feared for my life. So saying no to this person, I was, wow, what could happen? So I really, I've had experience before, but I really came in on myself. I did everything I possibly could to feel strong. I worked on my emotional health, my physical health my mental health, my spiritual health. And once I felt strong enough and aligned with that power of love, I said, that's it. And I actually found that the outside breakdown happened so much easier because I'd focused on my inner strength first rather than trying to manage the situation on the outside. And it's it's difficult to understand unless you've actually been in that situation but I've been in that situation twice now and both times as long and, and I've coached many men and women on the same thing because they're scared actually of what will happen. What, what will the fallout be? Am I in danger if I if I say no to this person? And if people don't have support and encouragement around them, it can be really quite scary for people. You know, some some people really do fear for their lives. So. I am a firm believer in, and I've proved it to myself many times and also worked with people who've also made it work for themselves. When we focus on that that relationship with ourselves, somehow the universe looks after us and it really does make it a lot easier to speak up about what it is that you actually want. And I just tend to find that things naturally fall away from me that aren't for me. Wow. And let me ask you, would that relationship, uh, was that someone that you were living with? It was my ex-husband, yeah. So it wasn't the kid's dad. I've been married twice. Um, but my ex-husband from a couple of years ago, um, very charming, very different. Uh, we did move quite quickly. Um, we were married within 18 months. And as soon as we were married, everything changed. And I just, I was left many times scratching my head, like, how is this happening? You know, when when I'm someone who avoids conflict, like I would be rather be the doormat than, than, than challenge. I couldn't understand how I was finding myself in situations where I would think, have I missed something? There's, it was okay, like a couple of minutes ago. And then I'd be standing in, in the next, like literally a couple of paces in the house and go, how has this happened? And I, I it honestly would feel like I'd blacked out. Like yeah. I'd, I'd literally miss something. And then as I, as I kind of shared a few experiences with a couple of colleagues and one male colleague in particular, he said to me, that's emotional abuse. And, and the, the verbal, the, um, you know, the things that this, the, my, my husband would say to me was, like I, I just wouldn't say to my my worst enemy, and it wasn't it wasn't until a colleague of mine and a dear friend actually said that's narcissistic behaviour, Vanessa, that I really had to look at actually what is that, and once I realised what it was I was dealing with, I got really scared, which I think made it worse for a little bit, and then there's that line in the sand, isn't there, where you go mm -mm, no more, actually, I'm going to do something about this, and that's where I really had to 
concentrate on my own well-being to make myself strong enough. And it got to the point actually where I wasn't scared anymore. And that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous place for a woman to be because you don't want to get in her way. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so when you decided, so uh, I know that a lot of women stay in those types of relationships um, because of they're, they're scared to leave or they're not do it on their own or there is a financial component you know what it, what advice do you give women in that position or men in that position, really men and women it happens to both doesn't it mm -hmm. advice is it, it it's tricky because without knowing the particular situation and i can only speak from my own experience so i, I tend not to advise if you like but i just can only share from my own experience if you are feeling truly fearful I think first of all it's really important to find a safe place somewhere and I don't mean like uh, physically but a, a safe someone to talk to and if you don't have a friend or a neighbor or a family member there are organizations like the Samaritans or and I don't know if you have that in the US but in the UK we have um, like the Samaritans and there's also domestic abuse charities. I worked as a volunteer for a domestic abuse charity a few years ago. They have amazing resources where you can actually go into a refuge if you feel really scared um, and you can uh, hide ineffectively. I'm saying that in inverted commas if you're, if you're listening rather than seeing, but you can, you can, take time away from a situation and it's really interesting because my throat's really tightening as I speak about this because I don't think it's spoken about enough um and I think that when we do speak up about this kind of thing I think that society tends to strangle us because it's such a big problem that this is where we have to take responsibility for ourselves so even if you have to go to a local cafe and, and use uh, or a library and, and use Wi-Fi or a computer there and do your research and find where you can find a safe space to talk to somebody just so you feel heard. Because a lot of the time I find or I found for myself that I would get so caught up in my own head and I could hear his voice and my voice and I wasn't sure which one was which. Least of all, I couldn't hear my heart because the noise and the abuse that I was giving myself for how did I get myself into this? I was berating myself. He was berating me. So there, there, there was like, I just, I just didn't even know what to do. And I would be found outside trying to smack my head on the paving stone outside to either crack my head open so I didn't have to feel it anymore or wake me up. Like, you know, I didn't recognize who I was. And we can go into a real flat spin of destructive behavior. And I think if you are blessed enough to have people around you that can say, hey, you know, are you okay? But I do appreciate some people don't have that. And that's where we have to take responsibility for ourselves. And, and there is help out there if you look for it. It might not be very obvious, but it is out there if you if you look for it. Yeah. I think um, you're right. Like one of the first things that a lot of people don't realize is that it's actually happening, right? They think that they are to blame, that they did something wrong. Um, if only I hadn't said that, if only I hadn't worn that, if only done that. What they don't realize is that it didn't matter if you were perfect. It no. was going to happen because yeah. that's what that person needs in order to feel better or to be believes they need in order to feel better about themselves yeah and it has really nothing to do with you or what you wore or what you said or how you acted that um i think that was something that it took me a very long time to get over especially so i grew up in a domestic violence situation where my father um, abused us and it was emotional, it was mental, it was physical. Um, and going through that as a child, you really internalize that, right? Mm -hmm. You internalize the words that he's saying. 
um, and, and you really start to believe it. And it took me so long to acknowledge that even after I, even after the abuse had stopped and we ran away to a domestic violence shelter, and even after all that abuse had stopped, I was still mentally doing it to myself mm. because I was mm. in that moment and in those, you know, in those words and in those actions. Um, and, and it definitely took me getting a lot of therapy to stop doing that to myself. And, and it's kind of like a, and people don't realize that it's it doesn't just end, right? It's a lifelong struggle. Once those feelings have been internalized, there are triggers that can come up at any time and something yeah. can happen and you can be thrown right back into it. And you yeah. have to, you know, a way to pull yourself out of it. Yeah, I think awareness is is so key because like you say you don't recognize that you're actually in it i've got a saying a friend of mine used to say you can't see the label of the jar that you're in which is why i think it's so important a to have people around you but also with the naked principle the, the what i share with people is if we can keep it as really simple as we can because that mess has become so complicated you don't know which way is up and if you've ever been caught in the sea and a rolling wave and you're you're tumbling and you're tumbling and you really start to fear for your life and you're being bashed about and pulled about you just don't know which way is up and you're literally just waiting for the wave to land on the beach and then you can reassess the situation i think struggling to if we can keep it as really simple as, as possible is that that voice in your head that you begin to believe to be true will always make you feel unlovely that voice's goal is pain that voice knows it's winning when it keeps you stuck struggling and longing for more and the problem is is that we then we then begin to believe that that's who we are we then to believe we begin to believe that that's and we create a persona in our lives around that so therefore if that's what we believe to be true and we're bumbling along in our life then then the outside world is always going to reflect back to us that that's true so we think well if i think this and my outside experience is the same then clearly that just must be what it is no we're not meant to be here to experience the unlovely. Yes, it does happen. So I think one of the simplest ways I helped the women I was working with was that if you feel unlovely, then you are very much in your head and it's not true of who you really are. What is true of who you really are is the lovely. Now, I'm not making it flippant by any stretch of the imagination, but if we keep it really simple, if you are experiencing the unlovely or you feel unlovely, and by that I mean fearful, scared, shameful, angry, depressed, anxious, anything that is not nice to feel, then you're stuck in your head and that and, and triggered. We're easily triggered in that place. So therefore, it does take conversation in understanding what are these stories that I believe to be true about myself that are total BS and how do I shift from my head to my heart so I can even attempt to begin to experience the truth of who I am and actually what life is meant to be about? And for some people, that just seems so difficult, so hard, because we the last thing we want to do is revisit any trauma or anything that's unlovely. However... What we have created around our hearts through our thinking is to protect our hearts because we've been led to believe that the people that love us are the ones that hurt us. So we've got a very distorted opinion and experience of love. So I never know what's going to come up, but I just know it will be uncomfortable. I never know what we're going to find, but I know that past, if we have the courage 
and I call it the Thelma and Louise syndrome. You know, the iconic um, scene at the end of that film where they're like hands together, you go, I go, as I call it. I'm happy to drive off the cliff with you, like metaphorically, because if you can feel that somebody is there with you, and I took myself through this process, I promised myself I would never allow anybody to go through it by themselves if they didn't want to. So I can be there and encourage and love and reflect back to you. But we do have to discover that part within us that is going to is going to do it. I can't I can't do it for anyone. No one can do it for me. Um, yeah. and, and how do I get there? What does that feel like? I get asked such a lot. <laughs> it's a million dollar question. But I do know that if I can get out of my head and I can begin to be, or at least be willing to tap into my heart through simple exercises like breathing and gratitude and, you know, journaling, walking in nature. It doesn't have to be difficult, but it just seems like it's it's that boulder that every time we tap, we just never seem to, to get that breakthrough. But you can't take step two until you take step one. You know, that thousand mile journey, you've got it one step, then another, then another, then another. And it's it's that that seems relentless but it's the only message I ever get when I just think really how much longer is just for every day I'm on this planet, then that's my invitation to keep choosing to tap into my heart as best I can. It's the, it's, it's not over till it's over. <laughs> and as long as my heart's beating, then that's another invitation for me to just keep, you know, doing the best I can to, to drop from my head into my heart and choose that's, myself. That's yeah, that's really beautiful. And it, it reminds me of this idea of um, to give your, uh, this idea to give 100% every single day. And that mm -hmm. with the caveat that every day is not the same. And your 100% one day is not necessarily going to be your 100% other day. You know, you might only, you know, reach 40% on you might only have 40% of your 100% that day. But as yeah. long as you keep giving 100% of what you have and strive to make things better and improve, even if it's just a little bit each day, it's exactly. still a step and not a step backwards. And I, and I think regardless of if it might feel like you're going backwards, you're not. And the other thing that I remind myself of often is what's the alternative if I don't choose my heart, if I don't at least give myself a little bit of grace time and at least try, the alternative is that I I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the unlovely. And it and it's okay that we occasionally fall off our perch and we might unpack in the unlovely and stay there and wallow in it. And, and don't get me wrong, I've won many trophies for playing the best victim. It was the really comfortable place for me. However, and when I find myself there, I can, I, I recognize it more so now. And sometimes I allow myself just to wallow in it a bit, right? Because I am human. But at the same time, the alternative I, I came up with was if I've got this much energy flowing through my body at any one time, that energy is beating my heart. If I've got, and I'm kind of holding my hands out as if to say, if it's this much energy, the choice I have in this moment, because we all hear about stay present, but actually what does that look like? What does that feel like? For me, it's just to pause, breathe, and feel my beating heart. And if I can just in each moment think to myself, I've got this much energy, do I want to focus that energy and spend that energy on something that serves me on the lovely end of the stick? Or do I want to place it on something that is unlovely and that doesn't serve me? Either is absolutely fine and it's a choice, but fully appreciating that if I place it on the end of the stick that is unlovely and doesn't serve me, I'm going to feel crap. I'm going to feel unlovely. It's it's and that's OK. And, and then when I'm in that place, I can then make a different choice. Then the next moment arrives. Do I want to spend my energy here or do I want to spend it on a place that serves me? And I'm in that unlovely place for as long as I need to be in it until I say no more. 
Yeah. And my clients and, and friends often say to me, how long will this last? I said, as long as it needs to. It's happening the way it needs to happen. Otherwise, it would happen differently. And that's the only thing, one of the things I just believe to be true is that how else, how can it be any other way? Because if what's happening for me right now, lovely or unlovely, it's meant for me. Otherwise, it would be happening in a different way. Yeah. Does that make does that make sense? And it just then it's about taking responsibility for for being here now. And how am I going to spend that energy? And that's the choice. And it's not easy. It's not easy. And I still sometimes find myself, you know, making the choice of what's difficult is when we don't make the choice and we find that we're we're in the unlovely place. If we don't keep choosing to look after ourselves, it's that stop, start, stop, start, stop, start that's tiring, not actually doing the work. If you're peddling and then you cruise and then you're peddling and you cruise, that's not difficult. What's difficult is if you pedal and stop peddling and get off your bike and then get back on again and oh, peddling again. That's the difficult bit. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. So we are um, nearing the end of the podcast. So I want to talk to you a little bit about how people get in touch with you, the ways that you work with people. And, and you know, if somebody uh, feels like your message speaks to them, how do they get in touch? Uh, first of all, uh, they are more than welcome to reach out on our website, which is vanessaloves.life. All of our social is on there. Uh, they can get to just explore a little bit more about what the Naked philosophy is about um, and uh, reach out on social media for sure. And there's a contact uh, page on that website and we will answer you. Um, you can join our Facebook group where we've got tips and tools. That's all complimentary and that's private. So anything that you do say in there or comment in there just stays within the group uh, i'm more than happy to have any conversation with anybody who's willing to do this work the only specification i have is that if you're willing then we're willing to contribute you know and and give the best that we possibly can but lots of people will contact us because they think we can fix them we have the tools in place and if you work this work, it works for you 100% of the time. It, it, that's, that's, that's the promise that this work has. But it's understanding how do you become committed to using this work. And, and one of the ways that we're passionate about is really just teaching people to just connect to their own breathing. Because if you appreciate that you are being breathed, you're not breathing, you're being breathed. That's happening whether you're thinking about it or not. So if you can just have a moment to pause, breathe and feel your beating heart, that will take you out of your head and tap into your, your heart. And it will take practice because there will be resistance. But that's the, that's the, I suppose, the free tool, if you like, to be able to help people at least give themselves the space to be able to understand how this work works but that's yeah. the best way to reach out to us for sure wow and i just want to give people another tip um while we were talking i was just reminded of a crazy a TikTok i saw this week um and knowing that sometimes it is so difficult to really pay attention to your breathing mm -hmm. and meditate and you know people get kind of scared when you say that word yeah uh, but there's actually another technique that can help you kind of focus in and get the same benefits of meditation and that is closing your eyes and um, actually doing this with your fingers and then with and you know really focusing in on that until you can feel the ridges in your fingers and if you can do that if you can focus in and feel the ridges of your fingers and if you can just do that for a little bit 
that will give you the same benefits as meditation. It'll Lovely. actually have neural pathways. So that's just another tip. If anybody is listening and you need another way to kind of, you know, focus in and get and and when you're breathe when you're doing your breathing exercises, it's just too hard to mentally focus for you sometimes. Mm. Then that's way that you can bring your focus in really mm. stay present in the moment. And it's powerful because it's when you focus on your fingers and feeling the ridges, it naturally takes you out of your thinking pattern that you're stuck in. Mm-hmm. And it's you just by doing that, you can feel your heart beating deeper. And actually, you can feel the relief of maybe just stepping away from your thought pattern just for a few seconds. And then you start to think, oh, okay, so it is possible. And then I think the more that you do that and you extend that maybe three seconds, five seconds, 10 seconds, and you begin to actually experience feeling better just even for a few seconds, then you know it works. Nobody minds putting effort in if they know it's going to work. So that's a really powerful tool. I love that one. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so, so much for being here, Vanessa. Um, If anyone watching this or anyone listening to this knows somebody or think, or when you were listening, somebody came up in your head, please make sure to share this with them. I want to make sure it goes to anyone who needs it. Um, As always, I am Galit Speaks on all social media, YouTube, like, subscribe, share, do all of the things so that we can get this powerful message out into the world. Thank you again, Vanessa, for being here and for sharing so much of your story and so many amazing tips. Bless you. Thank you, Gilly. It's been a pleasure. Lovely to meet you. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you next week for another episode of the Gully Speaks podcast. Bye-bye.